Welcome to Audio Judo. I'm Matthew. And I'm Kyle. And this is your podcast of music discovery. Uh, we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, your premier source for music podcasts. Uh, we're so glad that you chose to spend the next hour or so with us, and we hope that uh, at the very least we will entertain you, maybe give you an album to listen to that you haven't listened to before or a new spin on one you have. Uh, this year. Besides this podcast, there are two others in our family. Uh, Audio Judo Does Jazz, which is uh, ramping up to its second season, and Throughline, which is a very detailed look at the concept on a particular record, whether intended or not intended. Uh, you can find both of those on Pantheon as well, or wherever podcasts are podcast. Uh, besides those three choices, we also have additional content that can only be found on our Patreon account. Kyle, how could they find that? If you go to patreon.com forward slash Audio Judo, you can sign up, and we have three tiers. The lowest tier is called the Shout It Out Loud tier. It is $1 or ruble or euro or whatever your local currency is every month. And in exchange for that, you'll get a shout out from us at the end of every episode. The step up from that is called the Front Row Seats tier. For that, you get uh, it's $5 a month, but in exchange for that, you get access to the Judo Chop episodes every other week. You get two-day early access to all of the episodes and the shout out at the end of every episode that you get at the Shout It Out Loud tier. Big step up from that, but it does really help out the podcast, is the Backstage Pass tier. You get all the stuff that you get for the sh- uh, with the Front Row Seats tier. You get the shout-out at the end of every episode. After three months at that tier, you get a special gift from Matthew and I. And after one year at that tier, you can actually co-host an episode of Audio Judo with us about the album of your choice. That does only activate once, and it does take 12 months of patronage at that tier to activate it. But we will do whatever album you want. Yeah, so, uh, so if you're listening to us right now, just... Just bear with us. You might hear some growing pains. Uh, Kyle, yeah. Kyle's going to be leaving town, so we're experimenting with a new way to deliver this podcast to you uh, with him being remote. So uh, we're experimenting, we're trying. So if there's awkward pauses or whatever, just bear with us, um, and we're going to figure it out because we're going to keep doing this podcast. So we're gonna, one way or yeah. another, we're going to we're going to hammer it out. We're going to figure it out. That, that was definitely a big consideration when I, I took this new position that I'm moving into is whether or not we could keep doing the podcast uh so hopefully you know we'll be able to keep going we'll uh, figure it you out you can There's, just pretend like i yeah. i have a brain injury for this this episode if that helps anybody <laughs> out there it's just we're just we're just ironing things out and uh we're gonna we'll get it figured out so anyway sometimes i feel like this episode is my favorite of the year let's say this particular episode always requires the most work out of any other episode during the year but it is oh, the yeah. most rewarding to me anyway so today we're doing the uh Top 10 albums of the year. Naturally, this starts at the very beginning of the year, and you kind of have to stay on it for the duration. If you take a look at my notebook, uh, it covers three pages worth of stuff that's crossed out, stuff added, notes made, because as the year progresses, my feeling about any given album changes. And of course, there's albums being released right up until the end of the year. You never know how stuff's going to get in there, right? And it's it's a lot. Uh, But I feel about the end of the year, I I have a pretty good representative list. This year's no different. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, first 
first of all, welcome. And second, uh, the way we do this is we alternate one album each to get to 10. And we usually have a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, we play one or two clips from each album to give you a taste, give you a little background of each record. Uh, we do brief each other on what the other's choices are to prevent overlap. Since the first year we did this, we did have overlap. Um, <laughs> but that's it. We don't have extensive discussions about them in advance. So it's a surprise for both of us, typically, about like, shit, I never heard of that record. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> but uh, I went first last year, Kyle. So uh, why don't you go? All right. So the first album that I picked is called Reeling by a band called The Mysterines. Uh, the Mysterines are a British alt-rock band from Liverpool. Obviously, no good bands have ever come from Liverpool. Never heard so of one. Immediately, immediately, it's a strike against them. The band comprises uh, Leah Metcalf on vocals and guitar, George Favager on bass, Callum Thompson on guitar and backing vocals, and Paul Crilly on drums and backing vocals. Uh, Reeling is actually their debut album came out way back in March of 2022. Uh, went to number nine on the UK albums chart, which is pretty good for a first album. You know, here's a little clip from their song Hung Up. Mysterians have this really interesting sound. I, I really like it. It's it's hard rock with some grunge, but then Leah Metcalf's smoky vocals add this very punk sound to it. It's very interesting. Uh, I definitely think they're a band that I'm going to keep an ear on for the future. This album is definitely worth a listen if you're into any type of rock, grunge, uh, anything like that. But uh, I really like it. Hey, I've never heard of it. What It's uh, the Mysterines, you say? Yes, that is correct. And the, the album is called Reeling. It's a, it's a interesting sound. It's a alt-rock sound. It's it's quite nice. Yeah. It's almost a little metal, but not quite. Yeah. It's kind of harder than stuff I had you pegged for typically. Yeah. You don't listen. I mean, other than Metallica, which I know you did listen to. Yeah. Um, and that song too, that I, I picked is a little bit heavier than some of the other stuff on the album. Yeah. I like it. So uh, my first choice for this year is the more or less comeback album by Tears for Fears called The Tipping Point. Released in February of this year, it is only the seventh full-length album in the band's 40-plus year history, and the first release since 2004's Everybody Loves a Happy Ending, which, ironically, not everyone did. Uh, that album was uneven at best, and the general consensus had been that they would kind of ride off into the sunset with that album with the occasional hits tour to supplement their income. And that was pretty much how it was going down. I saw them in 2010, and they were absolutely fantastic live, perfectly on their game, and it was a shame to think that they wouldn't create any more music and put their differences aside. But this new record uh, had a very rocky start under very strange circumstances. Uh, the two lead members of the group, Roland Orthobel and Kurt Smith, gathered all the way back in 2013 at their management team's request to see about putting together a new record. However, their label wanted them to collaborate, as most labels do now, with young artists to try and contemporize and commercialize their sound. Uh, and the band kind of likened this whole process to speed dating. 
writing. And they would just kind of end up at a table with an artist and be like, all right, now write a song. But they actually finished an album that Orthobel said sounded nothing like Tears for Fears. It was completed all the way back in 2016. And then there was a bidding war for the album between Universal and Warner Brothers. And Universal won out, but decided instead to release a greatest hits compilation in 2017 to try and pave the way for the new record. What? Then you, yeah. It's weird. Then Universal began to hesitate about the delay of the record, which they caused. And then Smith and Orthobel began to have second thoughts about releasing it at all. And then they started to lose focus on it as uh, Orthobel was dealing with his wife's depression, her alcoholism, and then sub subsequent death in 2018. This quickly followed with Orthobel's own health issues that he had neglected as he cared for his ailing wife. Smith contemplated leaving the band entirely, but then they went ahead and went on a tour in 2019, which was extremely successful, and they decided to try in 2020 and do it again. They ended up reworking every song, added new songs, and a lot of the lyrics were changed and deal with the grief from Roland's wife's death. Uh, the first clip I'm going to play is from the title track of the song, The Tipping Point, that deals with the death of Roland's wife. Uh, and the tipping point that he refers to is that point in everyone's struggle when you actually make the decision to either continue fighting or to pack it in, kind of that balancing of a tightrope. And the song includes everything that, you know, I love about early Tears for Fears, the haunting melody the propelling beat, sparse yet useful instrumentation, uh, not so much the ostentatious huge sounds of sowing the seeds of love that I know Randy loves so much, um, but more of songs from the big chair and the hurting, so more of their earlier stuff. And there's just this magical chemistry in the way these two guys work together, and it is very evident here on the title song. Sounds like this. The mantra that plays through most of that song is, uh, you know that I can't love you more. And that has to be uh, the sentiment when someone uh, that you love does reach that tipping point to more than likely give up. There's nothing you can do except love them and be there, whatever agony they're going through. You know, you, you just you just want to be there. It's a powerful song. It's a powerful sound. And this song could have easily been on any of their albums from the 80s, but it fits in so well with current sounds. It's it's it is contemporized without an additional artist. But uh, my favorite track on the record is the opening song called No Small Thing. Uh, because it is just two really good songwriters in a room together. Uh, for as modern as this, the rest of this record actually is, and it is super modern, the beginning is the two of them and an acoustic guitar, and it's just wonderful and unlike anything that I have ever heard them do. It's just a very, very good song, and here's a piece of it right here. From the candy man, get your truth from the shelf. Don't buy into the fairy tale, just be good to yourself. Cause you know that I love you, girl. 
So when the album was released, uh, it reached number five in the UK, their highest charting album in 30 years, and their third album to reach the top 10 in the US, and the first since 1989 in The Seeds of Love. Uh, wow. And I don't know if they have you know, any more albums in them, uh, but this album is a great way to go out if they don't. Universal critical acclaim and commercial success. And I think it's a, a testament to just the ability of them to write really, really good pop songs, really good songs in general. Uh, and if you are interested in hearing more about Tears for Fears, you can go to audiojudo.com and find episode number 52 where we cover the 1985 album songs from the big chair inside and out did we we did wow almost 100 <laughs> or almost 50 episodes ago yes I was about to say that was a long time ago it really was <laughs> so what's your number two number two in no particular order I don't think we clarified that that these or these albums for me anyways are in no particular order no particular order no particular order but it is number two in order of the episode correct because time exists that's a construct isn't it I mean you know it's there maybe not crazy about uh, it the next album that I picked is uh Bronco by Orville Peck so first of all I've heard that name before a country album made the best of list for 2022 <laughs> yeah you picked a country album yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. You don't know how you feel about that? No. It's a good album. But you picked a country. You picked you. I picked a country album. Okay. Uh, Second, if you aren't familiar with Orville Peck, uh, where the hell have you been for the past few years? So Orville Peck is a gay South African country musician who lives in Canada. (laughs) A gay South African country artist from Canada. Yeah. Hmm. All right. He stands out because he dresses in outfits that look like Marty McFly's cowboy outfit from Back to the Future. He also wears a Lone Ranger eye mask with fringe covering his lower face. So in theory, nobody knows who he is. Now, obviously, people have figured it out. It's Garth Brooks, isn't it? For me, it's Garth Brooks. It's Chris Gaines. It's It's Chris Gaines. (laughs) Chris Gaines. Gaines. I see what you did. Uh, Part of the fun for me, though, is that you aren't supposed to know who he is. Obviously, like I said, people have figured it out. You can look up who it is if you want, but I like the idea of keeping the mystery alive. I think that's a lot more fun. Mm Mm-hmm. So anyways, this whole album is really good. It It's a very country album, and he has written the lyrics and phrased things in ways that don't feel out of place in any country music station in, in America. That being said, the music videos for it are very gay in a good way. And when you watch the music video, it's it's all the tropes from like old country music songs like, oh, I'm the cowboy who comes into town and sleeps with somebody and moves on. But it's him with a bunch of guys. All right. It's great. They're they're fun and wonderful, and it's not like excessive. It's not like overbearing. It's not something that I think would offend most people. Okay. So, uh, but here's a clip from uh, the first track, Daytona Sand. Buddy, we got major booze. Another suitcase in your hand. I hope you brought your walking shoes. Quite a ways from what I understand. So I come up big blonde. I think I could have been your man. 
<laughs> he has such a unique voice, but it is so it's you you just said it while we were listening to the clip. It almost sounds like a parody. It almost sounds like he's making fun of this, but he is dead serious. And it's it's such an overall good album. It the first time I heard Orville Peck, I was like, he's making fun of country music, but he does it very seriously. He puts a lot of craft into it. <laughs> and then like this whole album is is well crafted. All the songs are are fun to listen to there's a couple on here that are very depressing just like every good country album should probably have and some that are like this one daytona sand which is really fun uh and upbeat it's a very good album i've been surprised how many times i've listened to it Hmm. it's one of those ones that since it came out i'm like hey i should listen to that again and go back and listen to it while i'm driving or working on something and then i'm like let's listen to it one more time so and then i realized when i started putting this together uh, about a month ago i was like i've listened to that album a lot this year it's more than two dozen times. And that's with, you know, listening to other albums for the podcast and trying to find other new music. And so I keep coming back to it. So obviously I, I like it. It's uh, So this predates you, Kyle, and probably mm. to some degree, Randy, but in the mid to earlier 80s, there was... You slept with Orville Peck. <laughs> oh, no. Please there, was a, there was a, a single that came out called Rappin' Duke. And it was basically a rap rapper set to country music rapping in the style of John Wayne. <laughs> you need to look it up because as soon as I started hearing that song, that's the first thing I thought of was rapping Duke. It's got to be out there somewhere. It is. <laughs> I, I, I had the record. It's on YouTube. I had the record. I had it. Sean Brown. AKA the rapping Duke 1984. <laughs> yeah, 1984. I had that record. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of, but uh, but clearly I enjoyed it because I owned it. Yeah, I mean you you still have it, so yeah. So uh, all right, my number two is uh, from an next choice. I've selected the debut album from the band Yard Act, uh, and the album is called The Overload. So what you need to know about this band is that it sounds like a mix of Blur. Big Audio Dynamite and The Kinks. It is both wonderful and abrasive, and it's a really great listen. So the band formed in 2019 in Leeds, England, consists of James Smith on vocals, Ryan Needham on bass, Sam Shiptone on guitar, and Jay Russell on drums. Lyrically, uh, they are pretty political, uh, and I guess you would call this punk new style. You know, it has all the makings of punk music, but is lyrically uh, quite a bit smarter. At least it's more verbose than anything else. These are the lyrics from the title track, The Overload. It's Uh, The overload of discontent, the constant burden of making sense, it won't relent, it won't repent, how to remain in dissonance. That's pretty heavy stuff. But then stick those lyrics around a full backbeat and some English blokes singing their asses off, and it's straight up (laughs) awesome. It sounds like this. Eat your ambition 
vacation in a matter of weeks just trying to envision the peak and that's brilliant. <laughs> oh man that's great right and so many of the songs are like this some of them are super sarcastic like payday which is ironic and hilarious the lyrics what constitutes a ghetto huh is it growing your own lettuces in the potholes on the road do the locals have to eat them all if they don't sell them i call potholes concrete meadows of the soul <laughs> And it's more or less spoken word. But truth be told, I hate spoken word shit. I mean, call it poetry or put it to music. I don't know what the difference. Just just it, call it what it is. I don't know what the difference is between spoken word and poetry anyway. Is there well, a difference? The reality is that uh, spoken word was finished as an art form when William Shatner... <laughs> performed Rocket Man at that science fiction convention. It's done. Son Nobody else can top that. Uh, I'm, so, I'm guessing it's just some pretentious knob in a beret, right? Potentially, yeah. That's how you classify it. But I yes. love this record so much. And when it was released, uh, it got to number two on the UK charts and naturally was completely wow. ignored by the United States because that's what we do. <laughs> Taylor Swift's new album, has every song in the top 10, sells four bazillion copies in the first 30 seconds. Uh, but really, you know, thinking person's music with great sounds and tough messages gets fundamentally oh. tossed onto the dung heap. So like I do need to clarify right now. Uh, I'm moving I am to the not, UK, by the uh, way. Against Taylor Swift. Swifties, please do not come after me. You can come after me. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, I'm moving. I'm moving to the UK. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> so, the second clip is from a song called "100% Endurance" uh, that received a re-recording in the summer of 2022 as a collaboration with the omnipresent, will not retire Sir Elton John, and it is so great because he's never going anywhere. The line right before Elton's part is, "quote It's hippie bullshit, but it's true." So check this. <laughs> check this song out. Come with us. Now we're up to meet them, so best impress them. Don't want them thinking we've been sat here doing nothing, now do we, Elton? It's alright, I've had more rips than I've had on dinner. Is that how we define this life's winners? And your merit's so imperative that without them we'll forget how to simply be. It's hippie bullshit, but it's true. Watch me explode. It's also pointless, ah, but it's not though, is it? It's really real, and when you feel it, you can really feel <laughs> I love this fucking record so much. I have listened to this so many times on the way to work in this past year that if it was a cassette in the 80s, I would have worn it out by now. Uh, <laughs> I think it is so great, and I'm begging for more albums like this. So that is Yard Act, and the album is called The Overload. I'm definitely going to have to check that one out. It sounds like fun. <laughs> Over to you, Kyle. All right. So the next one is a, a little bit of a, a, a weird musical choice. <laughs> Surprise for me. The album is called After Dinner We Talk Dreams by a musical collective called Michelle. Mm. I don't know if you can really call them a band. They are a music and art collective based out of New York City. Uh, they actually formed when members of the group got together to record an album about growing up in New York City. Uh, it kind of grew from there, and now they're sort of this all-encompassing art group collective I've seen them called a lot of different things. Um, they do a lot of different stuff too, not just music. They make physical art. They do drawings. They do digital work. They do design work. 
so everything about the album is designed by somebody within the collective. So the cover is is created by somebody in the collective, whether it's a physical piece of art that becomes the cover or designed as a cover. They have somebody who does all of the uh, 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 copywriting for the albums. They have somebody who does like everything for every album is done within the collective, which is pretty cool. Collective, uh, six huh? members. That, yeah. That sounds like it sounds hippie a little bullshit. Cultish, I know. <laughs> sounds like hippie bullshit. <laughs> Currently, there are six members. Uh, Sophia D'Angelo. Julian Kaufman, Charlie Kilgore, Layla Koo, Emma Lee, and Jamie Lockard. Right now, they have two albums out from the musical side of things. Uh, their first album was called Heat Wave. It came out in 2018. Uh, their newest album, the one I'm talking about right now, After Dinner We Talk Dreams, came out in March of 2022. Uh, here's a little clip from the song No Signal, uh, which also features uh, Issa Reyes. See me walking good so, i like it I, it's uh it's catchy yeah it's it's much more poppy than what i normally like i thought last year I was your poppy is, year yes <laughs> that's true I, apparently i have been hey, sinking into pop very deeply <laughs> i keep seeing them described as like indie pop i'm not sure that really represents that sound really well because it's it's a very clean sound it's very tight uh they're all very very good musicians i think that's a label um, people put on it when they don't know what to put on it yeah oh it's world music ah yes it's <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, you know, someone in the world made it. It was made somewhere in the world. <laughs> so we classified it. They won the Grammy for world music. World music. <laughs> oh, but uh, they're definitely a, a, a new band. They're all pretty young. I'm going to be very interested to see where, whether they keep working together or they split off on their own, where all of them go in the next five or 10 years. Hmm. I like it. It's a, it's got, you're right. It has a very clean sound. It's good though. Yeah. So that's a, after dinner, we talk dreams by Michelle. I like it. So uh, my third choice is the album shadow Academy by the band shadow Academy. Ooh. It's easy to remember. So there yeah. are times, you know, when you put on a record and it does not connect with you right away, you recognize that something's there, you know, so you let it slow burn over a few listens and eventually hits you the right way. This is not one of those records. This one explodes through the speakers right from the first song. It's an incredible album. It's kind of rock record that the industry is craving for. It's smart, it's creative, it's loud, but at times it's very lush and evocative. So uh, for too many years, there's a rant coming, there has been a void in rock music of, quote, who is going to take the mantle? Who is going to bring rock music forward? Or even worse, who are we prepared to tolerate? Uh, there used to be a time when rock music dominated the airwaves, you know, dominated the music award shows, dominated uh, concert sales. And that time's all gone. Now it's pop, 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 hip hop, and country. These all rule the air airwaves now. The award shows are jokes and laughable because it has nothing to do with quality. It's all commerce, right? And don't get me wrong, art as commerce is important, but pop isn't artful or creative. It's banal, you know, it's lowest common denominator. 
And when they feel they need a rock band at these shows now, they ask Foo Fighters. Not that Foo Fighters are bad, but they aren't confrontational. You know, they're not subversive. They're loud and fun. And that's what they want. To a smaller degree, a band like Ghost, which I care to enjoy, is asked sometimes, but that's more theatrical and more for the point of being subversive just to say, even though they really aren't. They're just playing a part. I say all this because there was a time when a band like this would get heaped with love. This album, had it been made in the 80s or 90s, would have been huge. They would have sold heaps of records and tickets, but they don't because no one hears them anymore. People say all the time they don't make bands like Journey anymore. They don't make they don't make them like this band or that band anymore. But the truth is they do even better. But no one wants to listen anymore. Those albums hold special places in people's hearts because of what was happening in their lives when they heard them and they can't relate to the new stuff. And I'm here to say that this record is every bit as good as Journey was or blah, 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 if you're prepared to hear it. And that's part of the problem. People aren't prepared to hear it. So Shadow Academy, and I got more coming, by the way, Shadow Academy, Shadow Academy was formed by Dan Avedon and Jim Roach after the two of them had been part of a musical comedy group you may have heard of called Ninja Sex Party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were more or less writers and producers for them and decided that they actually had quite a bit more to say than just comedy. And they set about forming their own band during the pandemic. And out of that was born Shadow Academy. And they wanted to put together an album of big music, big guitars and big songs pulling influences from Rush, from Muse, from Smashing Pumpkins, My Bloody Valentine, they made this record that wavers between explosive and quiet and nuanced. Uh, the first clip I'm going to play is the first song off the record called White Whale. This is the first thing I heard, and like a fish, I was hooked. And the kicker, it is actually about Moby Dick. Ah. The opening lyrics are clearly indicative of Captain Ahab and his struggle with the big fish. So, silent tide, tell me which face do I show the world and which one do I hide? And then... I have no way to know unless you've seen a ghost. I don't know where to go unless, unless you've seen it. But it's made twice as good because of the music. Listen to this right here. I mean, how good is that? It's That's really good. I like that. Over and over again, I've listened to this record wondering if I would get to the point like I do with a lot of albums where it starts off really great. I can't put it down and then eh, I just kind of put it away. <laughs> so far, not yet. And for the second clip, I wanted to go in a completely different direction in regards to the sound of the band. I wanted to highlight that softer side like the albums of old that used to oscillate between a rocker and a ballad. And I just really enjoy how effectively they do that. Uh, this next song is called Down the Rabbit Hole. There's so many similarities between this band and the bands from the 70s. You'll be able to hear it in this song. Listen to this.
Next time we do this, I'm definitely getting like food delivered, and I'm just gonna sit here. So good. So, so uh, those two guys play all the instruments on the record. Jim Roach handles a majority of the instrumentation. Uh, one of the other things that he plays on this song is the hang drum. Are you familiar with the instrument, Kyle? The hang drum? No. It's kind of like a lap steel drum. It's played with either mallets or your hands. It has this rich and kind of resonant tone, so it reverberates and lingers. It's a great sound. Uh, okay. Monty wanted to buy one for a long time. That's why I bring it up. He <laughs> used to bring up pictures at work of it all the time. Like, I'm going to get one. He never did. So when I think, what I think is we have come to realize is that while this show is all about accepting all styles of music and talking about them and appreciating them, 2022 was a rock and roll year for Matthew. Uh, <laughs> very much connected with my roots, so to speak, uh, and sought out the sounds that really took me to that period where rock was king. So now the forms may have changed, but it's still rock. It's still guitar, bass, drums, and vocals with some newfangled sounds sprinkled in. So that is Shadow huh. Academy by Shadow Academy. There we go. Easy to remember, like you said. Yeah. So my next one is, uh, the album is called Ants From Up There. That is ants like the crawly things, not like ants, your- Oh, so not just your a parents bunch siblings. of- Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the band is called Black Country New Road. Is this also a country uh, band? They are not. Okay. They are, they're frequently, uh, it's, it's uh, written as BCNR, Black Country New Road. They're an English rock band from Cambridgeshire. Mm. Uh, they formed in 2018 and consists of Tyler Hyde on vocals and bass, Lewis Evans on vocals, flute, I know, and saxophone, <laughs> May Kershaw on vocals and keyboard, George Ellery on vocals and violin, Charlie Wynn on drums, and Luke Mark on guitar. I always hesitate to describe a band as this band meets that band, but they really are like if Dave Matthews met with David Bowie as a lead singer. Well, that's weird. <laughs> It's, it sounds really interesting. They're also super nerdy. So uh, right. this first clip is from a, well, this clip is from a, a song called Chaos Space Marine, which is a very nerdy reference that I'll try to explain here in just a second. But here's a clip. Oh, so I'm leaving this spot. 
now that I listened to that clip, I probably should have gotten more of what happens at the end there and less of the beginning. Hmm. <laughs> it's a little more indicative of their overall sound. I like that. Uh, it's a they're very unique. It's almost like a like traditional like Irish type of band sound mixed with a little bit more rockish and a little like I said a little Dave Matthews sound. And I think the lead singer sometimes sounds a lot like David Bowie and sometimes not. But in this song in particular, I've, I've got a lot of like the Bowie inflection from him. Like I was saying, they, they somebody in the band is very nerdy because this song is about a, a, a World War II style veteran. Or I'm sorry, this song is a World War II style veteran coming home from the war song, but then realizing he can't actually ever come home because so much has changed. However, this veteran is actually a space marine. Specifically, the name of the song Chaos Space Marine is from a tabletop game called Warhammer 40k. Uh, there are some geeks Nerd. out there who know what I'm talking about. I only played it a couple of times, but it's it's a very nerdy tabletop war game. It's fun, you know, but Nerd. also, yes, I know there's a flute player in this band. Yeah. Just heap it on me. Just heap all the shit on top of me. No, I like no. them. I, it sounds pretty good here. Just dump it on top. That's fine. Now you I'm going to leave it alone. Clip queued up? Do you have the clip queued up? So you can play the, the clips where I shit all over flute players. <laughs> That's damn it. fine. If, we if, need Randy, a, if you want to go back in and insert them, that's fine. See, it's oh. another damn reason we need an instant replay on here. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Black Country, New Road, uh, Ants from up there. It's a it's a very unique album. I think it's probably the most unique of the ones that I found out of this year. Uh, it's got a very good sound to it. If you like Bowie or Dave Matthews, give them a try. That's the only one I've written down so far. That one really oh, uh, there we go. That caught my ear. <laughs> So to speak, so back to me, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last year on my top five list, I included an album called The Future Bites by Stephen Wilson. Uh, I referred to him as the Prague Whisperer because of his in-demand 5.1 surround remixes uh, that he has done for Rush, Genesis, Marillion, Jethro Tull, Yes, Gentle, Gentle Giant, all of them. So I talked about how very prolific he is, uh, recording two additional albums set for release in the next couple of years as well. May have also mentioned that he recorded a new album with his previous band, Porcupine Tree. Mm. And my next choice is that very album. It's called Closure Continuation by Porcupine Tree. And up until three days ago, this album was on my honorable mention list, but then my mind changed and I moved it up. Oh. Kyle, do you listen on Spotify or do you use other streaming services? I usually use iTunes. Okay. But are you familiar guess, with the... Apple Music. Okay. Are you familiar with the wrapped thing where they oh. sum up what you listen to, how many hours, yeah. what bands, blah, blah, blah. So I got mine and the band that I listened to the most this year, and it wasn't even close, was Porcupine Tree. And really? not just this record, every single album in their catalog, apparently. Uh, I guess I kind of obsessed over them and dug deep. So when I was putting this episode together, I thought it really wouldn't be representative of my year and its quality, at least through my ears, if I left them off the list. List. And this album is also excellent. So very similar to Tears for Fears, the band was pretty much dormant and or broken up for years. Uh, the last album they had put out prior to this was 2010's The Incident. Uh, and in the interim, Stephen Wilson had released a slew of solo records uh, recorded with some other bands as well. 
but he always maintained a file folder on his desktop that was labeled PT, and he would occasionally throw musical ideas into that folder whenever he was working on seem more akin to the porcupine tree sound. He began to experiment more and more with the ideas of recording again and contacted his drummer, Gavin Harrison, who I've spoken about before because he was on the previous year's top 10 list with a band called The Pineapple Thief. He's a drummer for them. Uh, and then his keyboardist, Richard Barbieri, and they began to record this album in secret on and off for several years. Uh, now, the band typically had a bass player, Colin Edwin. Uh, he had been with the band for many, many, many years, like almost 30. But during this dormant period, Wilson found himself playing the bass more and more and decided to record all the parts himself and not invite Edwin back. Unlike many of their albums, this album was not a concept album, although the title of the record is very self-referential. They can't decide if this is the end of Porcupine Tree or the continuation of it. Uh, the first song recorded and the first on the record is a song called Harridan. The word Harridan is an English word for old belligerent woman. I had to look that one up. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. But some people might recognize it from the movie Daddy Daycare. The lady that runs the preschool is Miss Harridan, played by Angelica Houston, and that's no accident. They did that on purpose. Ah. So the song is exactly what you would expect from the current forerunners of progressive rock music. It's complex with multiple changes, syncopated parts, and the drums are masterfully played by Gavin Harrison, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite drummers. Sounds like this. obnoxious how good they are um <laughs> uh, the second clip that i chose is from the second song was also the second single off the record called of the new day and it is deceptively complex it's wrapped in a sound that's super simple it's very strange listening to this song it's very ballad like very easy to listen to but hidden underneath is a ridiculously complex rhythm that alternates between measures of four four three four five four and eleven four it's mathematical never quite settles into a particular rhythm also hidden in the lyrics is the reprise of the lyrics from the previous song which i think they do really well but here's a piece of it right here walk away from what you love all your people move into fog, but live again on the new day. Raise your head and fill your lungs, breathe the autumn, shame to be down. According to the band's website, there are 42 time changes in the song. <laughs> completely unnecessary and completely awesome. <laughs> 
When the album premiered in June of this year, charted at number two in the UK, because the UK huh. totally understands awesome music. And here, apparently, nary a blip, number 90. Dumb. I Seriously, I'm moving to the UK. Fuck this. I'm so done. <laughs> like, I can't stand it. Uh, and that's uh, Closure Continuation by Porcupine Tree. Uh, back to you, Kyle. So uh, my last one is uh, called Once Twice Melody by Beach House. I know Beach House. Yeah. They are described as a dream pop band, mm-hmm. uh, which is the millennial way of saying new wave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're a duo formed in Baltimore, Maryland in 2004, comprised of Victoria Legrand on vocals and keyboard and Alex Scally on guitar, keyboard and vocals. They've done eight albums so far, with Once Twice Melody being their newest. Uh, The album is actually broken up into four chapters titled Pink Funeral, New Romance, Masquerade and Modern Love Stories. Here's a little clip from one of the tracks called the title track called Once Twice Melody. Like I said, for me, they are a lot more of what I would call new wave rather than dream pop. Uh, A lot of the songs do have that sort of ethereal sound to them that is associated with dream pop. But uh, I I like this album quite a bit. Uh, The duo are also joined on a bunch of these songs by a bevy of additional musicians. Uh, There's also about 30 different mixers and engineers on this album. So uh, you might consider it a little over-processed, I guess, but it does give it a unique sound. Went to number 12 on the U.S. Billboard 200, number two on the U.S. Independent Albums, number one on the U.S. Top Alternative Albums, and number one on the U.S. Top Rock Albums. What? Yeah, so... Number what? Ranked up there number one on the U.S. Top Rock Albums. What? (laughs) I don't know how long it was there. I didn't look this one up in detail, but uh, yeah. I would assume it was probably a week or two, yeah, but, but still. it still hit that and surprisingly good. Okay. Uh, it's a great album from a band that's been around for a long time that I really like. I, I like this album too as like a wind down album. If yeah. you're, you've had a stressful day or whatever, it's a very slow rolling sort of an album that you can just sit back and listen to and, and calm down. It's oh, you very can definitely nice hear that. that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's Once Twice Melody by Beach House. Beach House. Got it. So uh, it should come as no surprise that my final choice for 2022 is the debut album from Envy of None. And we spent a great deal of time this year dealing with this album, uh, but never really highlighted it. This album is the first full-length album of the post-Rush career of guitarist Alex Lifeson. Uh, When drummer Neil Peart passed away in 2020, it was a foregone conclusion that Rush had ended. You know, we all 
hold out hope that one day we would see music from Getty and Alex in whatever form they chose to put it out. But never in my wildest dreams did I believe that it would take this form, where Alex would essentially take a back seat to the ethereal and angelic voice of Maya Wynn, because uh, it really does take a back seat to it. If you're interested in hearing how Maya came to be involved in the project in depth, uh, then you should tune into episode number 77 from earlier this year when we interviewed her. Uh, to summarize, she won a songwriting contest. The prize was a mentoring session with uh, musician Andy Curran, a member of the Canadian band Coney Hatch. She shared some tunes with him, and he told her that he had his friend Alex listen to them, and he wanted to know if Alex could add some guitars to it. Only later would she find out that Alex was Alex Lifeson from Rush, and she uh, became more or less his muse for this project. One song became two, then three, and then an album was born. They collaborated with Andy Curran and producer Alfio Annabialini and a number of session drummers to put this album together. And the songs are unlike anything Rush ever put out. And I think that's really the point for Alex. He wanted to do stuff he never did in Rush. Not that he didn't have the freedom to do it. Uh, He was just feeling free of that construct, and he kind of went hog wild. Maya said there are songs on the record that had 40-plus guitar tracks, uh, and he would have her record 40-plus vocal tracks, all to become this incredibly layered songscape. And it works, not because of Alex, because it is almost impossible to tell that it's Alex except for a couple of solos and really interesting chord work that you identify with him. It works because of Maya. Her voice holds the whole thing together and the songs become something else, something otherworldly. I've been listening to Alex Lifeson for 45 years and this is something so unusual and wonderful from him. The songs are tight. The whole thing works well together. The first clip is from the opening song from the record called Never Said I Love You and it really embodies everything that I love about the whole thing. Check this out. There's a lot going on in the headphones. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Um, so as I mentioned before, Neil Peart passed away in 2020. Alex flew out and he visited him several times. Uh, and one of the very last times he did, he sat on the balcony of his room and reflected on his friend and his bandmate and then wrote a song called Western Sunset. And when he talked to Maya, she said, or when we talked to Maya, she said that Alex had asked her to write lyrics for it. But when she heard the song, she said it was perfect the way that it was and it became an instrumental. Uh, and I think it's perfect the way it is too. So here's a little piece of Western Sunset.
So uh, because this is Alex Lifeson, there's always some sort of philanthropy involved with what he does. So in the spring, they issued a remix version of one of the songs. It raised over $100,000 for United Nations High Commission on Refugees in the wake wow. of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So it makes me love him even more. And I, of course, I have a personal attachment to this record, uh, without a doubt. But it's a fantastic record. I think people looking for Rush will be disappointed. You need to go in with an open mind and and appreciate this as an artist who's doing something different. And that's that's one of those things that has always driven me nuts is artists have to grow. They have to grow. They have to change. They have to evolve. And it, it drives me nuts when fans get so upset that they don't change. I mean, that they do change, excuse me. Yeah, that an artist changes? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this doesn't sound exactly like what their last eight albums sounded like. Yeah. Oh, so Why doesn't this sound it? like it's Tom like, Sawyer? I'm like, you're kidding, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to not like it. Don't yeah. get me wrong. That's fine. If it's not your style and it's not something you want to listen to, fine. But to get upset at the artist for changing and evolving, that's dumb. It is dumb. So that, uh, also, yeah. you know, Maya Wynn, uh, number one, as far as uh, uh, number one position on the list of musicians who have performed at Matthew's house. That's true. That is, no offense to your three children. Right. <laughs> it's number one on the list. Of, of the 10 number records the that we've talked about today, that the one is the only artist that has performed in my living room. Yeah. That has performed in your living room. It's the, so. also the only one that has played the ukulele in a unicorn onesie in my house. In your house. That yeah. is correct. <laughs> So do you have honorable mentions? Because I have three, but I, I also have clips. So you don't have clips. So you can go ahead and yeah. go with your uh, your. All right, cool. So I'll, I'll go over my two really quick. So uh, Jean Michel Yar or Jar, depending upon how you pronounce it. Jar, um, is it a soft Oxymore. J? Yar, Yar. Uh, I, I'm honestly not sure how to pronounce his name. Right. I've always pronounced it Jar. The album is called Oxymore. Okay. Uh, made this list. Not something you're probably just going to sit down and listen to over and over and over again. But uh, Jean-Michel is is one of the electronic music greats. He's been around since the 60s making electronic music. He consistently releases albums every six months to two years. <laughs> like just it's this huge catalog of electronic music. Wow. A lot of it's very experimental, very influential when it comes to uh, the, the electronic sounds of the 70s and 80s and on into like techno and hip-hop uh daft punk uh, uh cited him as an influence uh, amazing musician very talented still making new music and oxymore is a a good album but it's again it's probably not something that most people are just going to sit down and listen to from beginning to end uh unless you're really into like hard electronic music but very okay. good All right. the other band uh jockstrap sure uh, the album is called i love you jennifer b okay uh, it's a very they're in a, a british experimental pop band they have a lot of interesting sounds and things in their music this album is is new it's it's something i haven't had a lot of chance to sit with but it did get stuck in my ear for some reason not quite like an earworm it's just an album i've gone back to a few times like oh, i should listen to that again didn't quite make my top five but uh definitely a good album different uh i can't really describe it so you kind of have to go listen to it writing down uh, also i get to strap. mention the word jockstrap <laughs> on the, the podcast so that was a big selling point but that, that's it those are the only two oh, that okay I've got. so i have three the first one is impura by ghost so I waffled on this record so many times because it is pretty good, but it's also so over the top. And I think that's what a lot of people love about it. Uh, it immediately takes you back to the 80s. 
You remember that band? I think it was, they came on the nineties or whatever. The darkness. That's what that reminds yes, me of. Yeah. Where people were like, Oh, it's just like the eighties. I f- feel like that's what this band is. You know, they have a great arena sound. It translates really well on the record, but it's the silly Satan worshiping lyrics that make me pass on it. Not because I really <laughs> care. I just can't really tell if he is completely serious or it's all a little tongue in cheek for me. And I like it a lot. I just don't love it. And I say what I say about the lyrics because these are they. Through benediction, you tried to rid your mind of malediction, but through all this time, you try to peel it off and it's such a ride. Your desolation led you into this vile incarnation of consummated bliss. So yeah, I just don't know what to make of it, you know? But the music, with its dueling harmony guitars a la Iron Maiden, is pretty sweet, you know? It sounds like this. Musically, it's really good. I mean, it sounds really good. I just, I don't know what to make of it. You know, and they they perform in these giant bishop cloaks and stuff with a satanic face paint. And I'm like, okay, are we trying to do a King Diamond here? Or what are we, what are we doing? (laughs) But it's good. I like it. I just don't love it. So uh, number two is the record uh, Crown Lands by Crown Lands. Uh, They come from the Great White North up in Canada. Uh, Lead singer is also the drummer. And he's also fantastic. And he's also indigenous, hence the name of the band, Crown Lands. It's kind of a, a, a dig at the British monarchy. And they have this great full arena sound for two guys. And they're actually going to be opening up for Greta Van Fleet on their winter tour. Oh. This album was a serious contender to make the top five also, but is also only 28 minutes long generally considered an EP, so I had to move it down. Uh, this is a bit from the lead single on the EP called White Buffalo. lot of Robert Plant in there. Kind of weird that Greta Van Fleet picked a band to open for them that sounds like Greta Van Fleet. Isn't that weird? <laughs> who in turn sounds like Led, Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. <laughs> did you hear, did you see, or I guess read that interview with where they asked Robert Plant what he thought about Greta Van Fleet? And he said, oh, they have a great sound. I love them because it's my sound. <laughs> <laughs> I love me. <laughs> right? I love me. It's great. <sighs> So yeah, that's Crown Lands by Crown Lands. A lot of Rush influence, a lot of Zeppelin influence, but very entertaining. The third one I picked was, uh, it's an album is called Decide by Joe. 
so I was turned on to this record by my middle son, Connor, who bugged me for most of the year to listen to it. And when I finally did, I loved it. So Joe is the musical project of Joe Keery, better known to most as Steve the Hare Harrington from Stranger Things. Uh, <laughs> he is also very accomplished as a musician. He was part of the band Post Animal for a while. And this is his second solo record. It gets a bit derivative at times, which is why I didn't put it on the list. But overall, it's excellent. And here's a little bit from Gloom. That's the perfect way. <laughs> it's a really good record, anyway. It's very, uh, fuck your mother. It's very entertaining. Uh, and I would be remiss, I don't have clips for these guys, but I would be remiss if I didn't give shout outs to two dinosaur bands that I have loved most of my life that released albums this year Marillion, which released an album called An Hour Before It's Dark, which is good, but they aren't breaking any ground. It kind of left me a little disappointed, a little flat. And Jethro Tull, who Kyle loves, released mm. The Zealot Gene, their first album in nearly 20 years. And that was good out of the gate, but got worse as the year progressed when I began to put it next to some of these other offerings by other people. And that is the flute. Because <laughs> of the fucking flute. It's because of the flute. And that's our list, right? Yeah. It's another great year for music. If you can find it, right? you got to find it. Got to look. Again, you got you got to get that you got to get out the shovel, you got to dig a little bit, but you can find pretty good stuff. Like I, in all honesty, I think this has been the best part for me about doing the podcast is it actually forces me to start digging and and finding this stuff because we know it's out there. We know that there's more music being created right now. Yeah. Than at any time in history. I mean, daily right now there's there's probably more music being created in a day than there was in the entirety of the world before the year 1800, oh, right? Uh, yeah, let's say without I a mean, doubt. I mean, new yeah. music. Yeah. Yeah, it's just how do you find it? How do you get there? So hopefully, you know, as we're wrapping up this year and moving into the next one, people that are listening to this are finding something new. That's the whole point of this podcast. Yeah, we hope you. I, yeah, I, yeah we hope you, know, you unearth some gems. Yeah, exactly. If you have albums that you know you would like us to hear, that you're like, oh, your list sucks. Listen to this. <laughs> then you can send it to us uh, either on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash forward slash Audio Judo, or Twitter at Audio Judo, or if it still Instagram, exists, right? Who knows, Elon? Or Instagram at audio underscore judo. Or you can email us at info at audiojudo.com. That's usually the fastest way. Uh, do you have any uh, shout outs for uh, patrons over there? I do. Yeah. yeah. One more quick thing about oh, yeah. socials, though. I am starting to look into potentially branching out into some other social media things. Uh, uh, Mastodon is one that a lot of people have recommended. Um, we're not there yet as far as the podcast goes, uh, but hopefully in the first three or four months of next year, we'll get that up and running. Right. And when we do, 
we'll blast it out on all the existing socials and start plugging it on the podcast. As Sounds well. good. But it'll take a few months. Cool. But uh, yes, we do have some shout outs to our patrons. So uh, shout it out loud tier, Simon C, our UK consultant. Thank you so much. Uh, front row seats tier, Michael A and Darlene W. We appreciate both of you. You helped us buy some uh, uh, time to record this. Uh, and the backstage pass tier, Scott K, Michael S, Kristen K, David W, and Christian S. Thank you all. I know that some of you have been supporters of the show from the very beginning, and uh, that really has helped us keep things up to date, uh, be able to buy some equipment so we can record remotely, and uh, 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 it really helps the podcast out. So yeah. thank you all. So uh, we have episodes coming up about Stevie Ray Vaughan, Frank mm-hmm. Sinatra. Oh, yeah. My Chemical Romance and our 100th episode also on the way. So stick around. Other than that, we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. 